This is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Sham, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So to this week, we read Parsha Pekudeh, the final Parsha in the book of Exodus that rounds out the construction of the Mishkan and of all the clothes for the Kohanim, etc., etc., etc. And a lot of it is repetitive, right? Just simply repeats things that are in the previous parshiot. But at the end, something very interesting happens. And so I want to just look at what that is and then trace backward to understand its significance. So at the very end of the parsha, and therefore at the end of the Sefer in chapter 40, Moshe, everything has been constructed. Everything has been prepared. Moshe takes everything and then in it seems in front of the people, he sets everything up. It's sort of like they have the structure, but now it's time to put everything in its final place to sort of stage the Mishkan for it to actually be functional. And he does everything himself. He puts everything where it's supposed to. He lights the lamps. I mean, everything he is doing, um, setting everything up. And then something fascinating happens. In verse 33, right? Moshe finishes all the malacha, all the work of setting it up. And then, the cloud covered the Ohel Moed, and the presence of Hashem filled the tabernacle, filled the Mishkan, right? The exact purpose of what this is supposed to be, a place for Hashem's presence to dwell. But then, most fascinatingly, what happens in the next pasuk? Moshe could not enter the Ohel Moed because the cloud had settled upon it and the presence of Hashem filled the tabernacle. So Moshe has now set everything up. Hashem's cloud comes in and Moshe can't go in. So the question is, what is the significance? Why tell us this? And also, perhaps more importantly, why can't Moshe go in? We know that Moshe goes into the Mishkan to talk to God, to communicate with God. So this actually seems kind of unusual that now Moshe can't actually go in. And that actually, this is something that the the, the Mepharshim comment on they ask the question, wait, so why, okay, why is it that Moshe can't go in right now? Because later he's going to be able to go in. It's a bit confusing. So what I wanted to think about today is, so what, what is the purpose of this moment and why does the Torah record it? Why do we need to know that Moshe couldn't go into the Mishkan? Now, this is something that is a theme that runs throughout the this Parsha, the previous four Parshiots, and frankly, even earlier, and something that I find fascinating and have talked about before, which is, okay, let's think about the role of Moshe from the people's perspective. Moshe is someone who has taken them out of Egypt. He is someone who speaks directly to God. He is someone who is not one of them in that he wasn't a slave, right? He grew up in Paro's palace. He, he, yes, he's a, a Hebrew, he's an Israelite, but he's fundamentally different from them. And clearly of an el, of a more elevated status of power and probably spirituality, clearly as evident when he goes up the mountain and with the eagle of Zahav, with the golden calf, and they, they, they try to replicate him or maybe it's God. 
said, it's not clear if you look closely at the text. Like, is this supposed to be Moshe? Is this supposed to be Hashem? Perhaps they're actually just completely conflating the two and don't really see a difference. And then the text makes it even more confusing because when he does finally come down the mountain, he's got the Quran, or that we discuss, right? His, he's got light being out of his face. He's got to wear a veil because they can't even look at him because they're scared of him because he so intensely radiates God's presence. So first of all, from their perspective, I think it's been unclear exactly what Moshe is. And certainly since that unclear, that fuzziness was exhibited in the incident with the golden calf, it has not in any way been resolved. Moshe continues to be on another status from him. Not oh, from the rest of the people, excuse me. Not only that, but they've also just made all of the clothes for the Kohanim, including for the Kohen Gadol, who wears something on his head that says, Kodesh Shem, right? Holy to God. Now, if you're the nation, if you're Am Yisrael, there's really nothing that is sending you the message at this point that Moshe and Aaron, they're just human. Right? Yes, okay, they're your leaders, but they're just human. And Hashem is a singular power that is at a higher level. I think that the, the confusion that is exhibited during the incident with the golden calf is further confounded and preserved throughout the duration of the construction of the Mishkan and all of the clothes for the Kohanim. So that's... So we have to think about, like, now it comes back to this moment at the end when we're setting everything up. From the people's perspective, I don't really think they still know what Moshe is, who Moshe is, and frankly, who the Kohen Gadol, who Aharon is either. And so now we get to this moment. They've constructed and they've gotten everything ready for the Mishkan. They've gotten everything ready. Like, all the pieces are put together. And now it's Moshe who takes it upon himself to actually put it together and do the final ceremonial touches on it. And you wonder what they thought the purpose of this was. Now, the most fascinating part of this whole story is that we know, as the readers of the Torah, and Moshe knows, that at the beginning of Parsha Truma, Hashem says to Moshe, V'asuli mikdash v'shachanti betocham. Right, you're going to make me a holy space and I am going to dwell among you. Fascinatingly, there's no evidence, though, that that message was ever actually passed to the people. They've been commanded to do all of the labor for it, but they don't necessarily know what it is that they are actually building. And when you combine that with a confused perception, a confused approach to who are these humans, who also seem godly and have a special relationship with God and are leading us, you have to wonder what's going on in the minds of Bnei Israel as they're watching Moshe set up the final touches and actually get this thing ready. What do they think it's going to be used for? Maybe they think they've been working to make a special space just for our own and Moshe to, I don't know, do who knows what. And then I think that's how we can round out and return back to where we started. At the very end, they're watching, they see this is all Moshe, Moshe, Moshe. And then what happens? Hashem comes into the Mishkan and Moshe has to stay out, right? It's this saying of, okay, Hashem is coming in and Moshe, you can't come in right now. Why? Because you're a human being. You're not God. 
Only God can occupy this space right now. Even if later Moshe is going to be able to go in. It's a very powerful capture. It's a very powerful quick scene. I think a powerful signal to the people that yes, you have leaders who are being treated like they're on another level than you, who you are certainly perceiving as being on another level than you. And maybe we, we're, we're still going to have some issues with that. But do not forget that they are still human at the end of the day. God is still singular. And there is part of God that even Moshe and them cannot access. And perhaps I think, just I see this moment as a subtle, granted subtle, but a subtle tikkun, a subtle correction um, for all of the drama that has taken place right now and all of the confusion that has taken place right now. A way of saying to the people and sending them the message that, yeah, we know you've been confused, but here's what we want to clarify. Moshe, at the end of the day, he is one of you and not one of God. Shabbat Shalom.